Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Mary Moeller about gratitude and hospitality. We talked about everything from where we see hospitality modeled in the Bible to how the gospel actually enables us to be grateful and hospitable no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Listen to what she said. If you bump into us, gratitude should spill out for the simple and glorious reason that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, bought with the price of his blood, and thus we live a life that overflows with thankfulness. As a veteran hostess, Mary shared some helpful, practical tips for opening our homes, as well as encouragement for those of us who might feel a little more burdened as opposed to grateful when it comes to hosting and service this time of year, especially. We really hope this conversation encourages y'all as you welcome others in as Christ has welcomed us. I think that you'll find Mary as delightful as I did, so you'll know her a little better. She actually serves in ministry as the president's wife at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. She's also the founder and director of Seminary Wives Institute, an academic program for student wives that started 20 years ago at Southern. She's been married to Dr. R. Albert Moeller Jr. for 34 years. Now, on to my conversation with Mary on the topic of gratitude and hospitality. Mary, it is an honor to have you on the Journey Women podcast. I have to tell you that we have quite a few listeners who are either attending Southern uh, Theological Seminary currently or who have been attending or, you know, who have completed a degree program there or who are married to somebody who is in the process of getting their degree at Southern Theological Seminary. So you have been one of our most requested guests. And I know everybody's so excited to hear from you today. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I am honored to be with you today, Hunter. Thank you so much for having me on. They said you have to have Mary on to talk about hospitality because I think you're well known there for uh, the way in which you open up your arms and welcome people into y'all's place. I guess you probably wouldn't want to agree with that because it feels like a humble brag or something. Yes, it can. It can. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that we've been here now 25 years. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary here. So I came here as a young mom in my early 30s, knowing very little about what I was doing, really got thrown into the deep end of the pool. So I now have like so much experience in hospitality. I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. So my whole bent on this is, yes, I've got lots to say about hospitality, but it's not because I'm an expert. It's because I've learned through the years what works, what doesn't work, and how the Lord can use um, your sincere efforts to bring glory to Him. So that's that's what that's about. 
Well, what do you guys do? What is it that you have been doing over the last 25 years there in Louisville, Kentucky? Okay, well, let me just say for 35 years, I've been married to the wonderful Albert Moeller. And for 25 of those 35 years, we've served here together at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he is the president. We've been blessed with a son and a daughter who are now grown. We've been further blessed with a son-in-law and two little grandsons. And then I founded an academic program here 22 years ago called the Seminary Wives Institute. So I have lots of student wives that are coming to classes on Thursday nights that we teach along with many other faculty wives who assist me and Southern Seminary faculty as well as we equip them for their calling. So that's my passion here at Southern. I love teaching women, especially those preparing for service and ministry. And then I've got my first book that was released in yes. June called Growing in Gratitude. So I'm excited about that too. Yes, so am I. And we thought it would actually be fun to ask you some questions about gratitude and how from that position of gratitude, we are actually led to open up our homes as we were talking about to welcome others in as Christ has welcomed us. So that said, Do you have some sort of like a definition for what it means to be truly grateful? I do. But before I jump to the definition, I have to give a little bit of background first. You know, Colossians 2, 6 and 7 teaches that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should abound in gratitude. That means it's overflowing. So like if you bump into us, gratitude should spill out for the simple and glorious reason that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And thus we live a life that overflows with thankfulness. We're blessed beyond words. So to be truly grateful is just an intentional mindset. The presence or the absence of it in a believer's life is just telling because we're to be characterized as grateful people, first to the Lord for his unspeakable gift of redemption. But then in a secondary way, and I'm finally getting to the definition, we define being truly grateful as being mindful of the kindnesses extended to us by those we encounter and eagerly wanting to let them know how we appreciate that. Mm, I love that so much. And Mary, I just have to confess, I'm convicted even hearing that description because I tend to be one of those people who comes at things with the ability to see where we might experience some level of improvement, if you know what I'm saying. I'm painting that really kindly for myself. (laughs) So what encouragement do you have for somebody like myself who tends to view life or the situation um, that we're experiencing uh, as though the glass is half empty, if you will? Sure. And we all have those days when I think we would have to put ourselves in that category where we find ourselves feeling more pessimistic or, as Churchill said, to find the difficulty in every opportunity instead of the opportunity in every dif- in every difficulty. We expect pessimism routinely from unbelievers. Their hearts are not united with Christ. But I think for believers, I think we sometimes get in the rut of negative thinking due to being in part in kind of a self-absorbed mindset. Mm-hmm. And we're choosing to have that glass half-empty mentality, we're in effect saying that things could be much better than they are. We're often looking toward someone else's glass, too, and that's very dangerous. And we can get defensive and say, well, we're just being realistic. But in fact, that mentality shows a lack of trust in the Lord for the future, as well as gratitude to Him for provision in, in both the past and the present. So I would encourage us to zoom out and to see the half glass and to just consider the wonder of the cross anew. Yes, I was just reading about the Israelites as they come out of Egypt, you know, and then they're in the desert and they're grumbling and blaming the Lord. Like, we don't have water, you know, like you're going to bring us out here and kill us. And, and, you know, at first you look at that and you're like, how could you guys forget? But I think so often 
it is the case for us as well that we forget what it is that God has done for us and for his people throughout all of redemptive history. So remembering is such an important practice for me in cultivating a heart of gratitude. How does the gospel enable us to be grateful no matter what the circumstances are around us? Yes, you know, it does that, Hunter, in such a glorious way, because those of us who belong to Christ have overwhelming cause to be grateful regardless of the circumstances. Our lives are now hidden with Christ and God. Nothing and no one can ever change that. We have the unmitigated joy of living the remainder of our lives on this earth in service to our King with the inexpressible anticipation of spending eternity with Him when mm. he returns to take us home. And we believe that with, with all of our hearts. So it just defies reason that we're not the most grateful people imaginable. imaginable. And you know, I've been perplexed by that enough that that's really one of the reasons why I wrote the book about it. And I spent much of the book looking at the obstacles to gratitude in our lives, yeah. and how we can overcome those. And one of those obstacles is related to life circumstances. The folly is to think that if we did not have to face a certain circumstance, then we could surely be grateful. But Scripture does not teach we're going to have smooth sailing. It instead warns us of trouble in, in many different situations, in many different places. Like in James 1, we're told to count it all joy, not if we meet various trials, but, but when we do, and that the testing of our faith will produce steadfastness. We, we look to Paul and the thorn that he had and how he asked three times to remove it, but the Lord saw fit to leave it in place. That was not an accident. We all know many people who seem to have multiple thorns that are particularly sharp, but we trust the sovereign Lord who is always at work, who will deliver us safely home. And even when our finite minds cannot make sense of it, we are still commanded to abound in gratitude. Mm, I love the story that you shared about one of the seminary wives who came through and you and Mr. Muller had dinner with them and they were preparing to go to, I think it was South America on the mission field. She was telling you like the prayer requests were that she would simply have like running water and electricity. That's right. The, the missionaries going to Africa. Yes, that was so humbling. Yes. Yes. And then like our circumstances here, right? Like it just doesn't even compute for us. I think a lot of the circumstances that I'm disgruntled about are just such hashtag first world problems. Right. You know, there are a lot of things that seemingly so from our perspective, you could look at and think, oh my goodness, how despairing. And yet her response was much more positive. Absolutely. It was just a simple email that she sent to her friends and supporters back here in the States that simply said, we've got a big event today. Will you just pray that we have that we have water? And it was not a pathetic like, oh, poor us. We don't have running water again. You guys are so uh, privileged and you take this for granted. But it was just <laughs> simply a true prayer request. Hmm. We really need water today. And so when I you know, when that just humbled me completely, because every time I turn on the faucet or flip a light switch, you know, it works. And when it doesn't, I just get so peeved and so, you know, irritated as to, well, you know, this is a terrible time for this. Yes. To live in an, in an atmosphere <laughs> where you truly accept that as a gift every time just really was a reality call, reality check to me. And uh, when I commented to her about it later, her response was was just so so humbling again, and she's not trying to be uh, self-deprecating, but she said, look, I'm not looking for people to feel sorry for us. We knew we knew when the Lord called us here mm. what the situation would be like, 
And um, and so they're they're humble servants serving the Lord there, and and truly just asking for prayer for us in their circumstances, just as they pray for us in ours that we don't suffer from an entitlement mentality, which is clearly a danger here in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so often, Mary, this comes into fruition for me. Just after nap time, I walk outside. I live in a cul-de-sac. My husband's in the military. It's very close quarters. It's almost like living on campus if you're in college. And I'll be standing outside there. Everybody in my cul-de-sac, to my knowledge, is not a believer. And so a lot of times a conversation as mothers of young children tends to bend towards complaining and ingratitude. And I find it really difficult in that instance where there's so much grumbling and complaining going on around me to practice gratitude, um, even though that really is like my heart really is glad, Mary. So how does practicing gratitude lead us to actually share what God has given us with others and to, you know, even utilize an opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus that you described? Certainly. And this goes back to that whole spillover once again. We're, we're to be so filled with gratitude to the Lord for who He is first and foremost, and then what He's done for us secondly that we want to spend every single day of our lives on earth, no matter how long that may be, and we don't have a clue how long that will be, Mm -hmm. to please Him. And the best way that we can please Him, no matter if we're living here in Africa, wherever, is to hear the word of the Lord and obey it. And His word tells us clearly, like we just need to be Mm -hmm. reminded this over and over again so we get the point when it keeps coming up, that we're to outdo each other in showing up. We're to meet the needs of the saints as we practice hospitality. So that speaks to those that are already in Christ. We're to love each other with brotherly affection. And we are to reach out. And as we can talk about with hospitality issues, when we're showing the love of Christ to people, through providing a meal for them, we, we're sharing the gospel. We're not beating them over the head with it, but we are, we are first starting a relationship with them and we are showing them. This permeates every part of who we are. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. You know, I was talking about standing outside of the house and being in the cul-de-sac and all the kids playing. And there's such a shift, like a paradigm shift, Mary, when I just open up my door and one of those women comes inside. I can have an opportunity to kind of set the temperature for the climate Versus like coming into this situation that's really hard to instigate change. So I think opening up our homes and welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us is just such a potent opportunity. So what is the practice of hospitality and why do we actually engage in it as believers? One of the best definitions I have seen relates to how biblical hospitality seeks to meet others' needs Hmm. without any desire for affirmation or attention. It's simply about making people feel loved. And it can take so many forms. So 
We love people when we make them feel welcome and wanted, when we look them in the eye and listen to their story, when we provide them with a good meal or a warm bed, when we remember what their favorite comfort food or beverage is, and we've got that waiting for them. We're not trying to impress them, but we're trying to serve them and, and to meet a need. And note that every act of hospitality does not try to do all of those things. Right. And sometimes food isn't even involved. Sometimes it is. Many times one's own home is involved, but not always. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between biblical hospitality versus worldly hospitality? Because let's be real, most of our listeners are over on Instagram. We see all these perfect pictures of what it looks like to open up our home and to manicure it in such a way that maybe points a little bit back to us versus like pointing others to the goodness that we've received in Christ. So what's the difference between biblical hospitality and worldly hospitality? Yes, that's something we need to be very careful to point out. And I think worldly hospitality is best described as entertaining. So unlike entertaining, biblical hospitality is more concerned with people than Mm -hmm. it is things. And presentation. Right. It's more concerned with providing a safe place than it is a show place where you're trying to impress people with with all of your things. Ooh. It's certainly more concerned with serving and not impressing them. So so it's seeking to bring comfort and edification and it has nothing to do with showing off or being selfish or pointing attention to yourself. I'm going to write those down and like put them in my kitchen, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Reminder for all of us. It really is. So how do we see hospitality modeled in the gospel? I think like gazing at the hospitality that we have received through Christ, like as he welcomes us in And then also the hospitality that I have experienced through the body of Christ has been one of the most motivating things for me to actually engage in hospitality myself. How do we see hospitality modeled in the gospel? Well, if we just look at how it's portrayed in both the Old and the New Testaments, we could just camp out there in a variety of settings and just glean lots of wisdom from that. We look in the Old Testament where Rahab, you know, Rahab the harlot, giving lodging to Joshua's spies. She's later rewarded for that. We've got that amazing story with the the widow of Zarephath whose flour and and oil just aren't consumed until the famine ends that's over in 1 Kings 17 and in the New Testament there are so many of Jesus's miracles that relate to hospitality whether it's the very first um, miracle at the wedding of Cana in Galilee when he changed the water to wine when when he feeds the 5000 there and that wonderful story that that we, we just love to try to put ourselves in that setting and wonder what that must have been like, or, or whether it's that intimate meeting that he had in the home with Mary and Martha, where you know there's all kinds of lessons coming from that. But these are all true stories that happened as hospitality was practiced in unique and memorable ways. But the gospel is modeled as we learn firsthand of the supernatural way that our Lord performed miracles at these events, and how he dined at the home of, of those who loved him. And he taught that hostess a lesson that she will never forget about priority. So so there's lots of, of hospitality modeled in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And how does actually engaging in this, like when we are opening up our homes, enable us both to model and share the gospel or to model what we've read and learned in scripture and our gratitude for what God has done for us through the person of his son, Jesus? I think there's just something about being in someone's home that just sets a different tone. Again, as hosts, we're hoping to meet the needs of others. We want to be sensitive to what those needs are. We're prayerfully welcoming people in, and we hope to provide physical food that will nourish them without making that the focus. But let me just add, if the Lord has gifted you to be a great cook or chef or baker, then go for it. Make a great meal to God's glory, but once it's served, it's not about the food. 
But I hate to also minimize and just throw that aside and then people feel badly when they've actually gone to some trouble with that. They're doing it, and the Lord knows their heart. They're doing it to honor Him and to use their gifts. But we have other needs to meet besides hunger. Everybody has a story to tell, mm-hmm. and most of us like to tell our life stories. All you got to do is, is open the door and ask. So be ready and listen and ask the Lord to give you a heart that's perceptive. If your guest is a believer, then be ready to rejoice over the marvelous way that Jesus saved him or her, because every single story is a miracle of God's grace. So you affirm that. You know, one of my pet peeves is when people say, well, I don't really have a very interesting testimony. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. What does that say about the gospel? Mm. Every time God saves a sinner, it's a miracle. So, So you affirm that if your guest is an unbeliever, it's a whole different dynamic. You are praying in advance that the aroma of Christ to fill your home in such a way that that guest is unmistakably struck by how your life is different. Just as you were saying, when you open the door and and when those military moms come in and they see that Uh home's just different and that has nothing to do with your interior design. So you disarm their fears also about the fact that you're not getting out a big black Bible and you're not going to start reading to them about damnation, all right? But, <laughs> but you're, you're telling your story of God's grace in your life. You're using language that she can understand. This is not the, the time to sprinkle the conversation about propitiation and substitutionary atonement <laughs> vitals. Those are. But this is the time to show gratitude yeah. for the fact that Jesus loves you. He made you. He's kept you. He's preparing a home in heaven for you that you've done absolutely nothing to earn or deserve. And you believe that with all your heart. And that's why you smile. And that's why you're at peace when bad things happen. And when we convey this, we're sharing the gospel. And then we trust the Lord to bring the increase. It is always amazing to see how he does that and how he opens up opportunities to have these discussions. And often, Mary, I would come into conversations like trying to force my own agenda. And that's not necessarily bad all the time. But I've been really humbled to see how the Spirit is working in the lives of women that I'm welcoming into my home. And just to hear their simple questions. I just had an opportunity for one of the very girls that's in the neighborhood that I was talking about. As I continued to welcome her and her kids in to play in our playroom, she just starts asking questions. One of the questions that she asked was like, how are you so giving of your stuff? I I don't even remember the way she phrased it, but she was like, you just kind of welcome us in here like, and you just like give us free reign of your house and stuff. Why do you do that? And so it's just, well, I mean. What an open door question. (laughs) And then, then, you know, we've just had question after question um, where I have really been able to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like everything that I believe is centered around what I see in scripture and in my faith in the Lord Jesus. And so I can share from that perspective and she's open to hearing it. And I'm like, wow, could have come in here trying to, you know, knuckle down and force my agenda. But the way organic way in which the Lord is really orchestrating our conversation to center around the gospel is super humbling and really encouraging to know that like his spirit is the one who is doing the work in her. Absolutely. And that just gives you confidence too, that you realize you don't have to be a pro to do this. You don't need degrees after your name in order to just share Christ's love with about what he's done for you. My mouth is hanging open because so I have a two and a three-year-old, right? God bless you. What a wonderful season of life. This is. It goes by fast. I know you don't think so, but it really does. I can already see that. And I'm also expecting our third child. And so it's one of those situations where my capacity is so limited, right? And even half the time, I'll say I'm having to engage in correction and training with my own children. So sometimes that can feel like, 
man, why am I even doing this? You know, because my kid is screaming her head off. <laughs> I understand. I've been there. Yes. What encouragement do you have for somebody who has a limited capacity and who feels like they don't really have the margin to welcome other people into their home? You know, this is such a common concern for women in 2018, and it's it's not new, but there are women who genuinely realize there's that biblical mandate to practice hospitality, and they really want to fulfill it. But then they start launching into how busy they are and how little margin there is left at the end of the day, how little money there is left. That's all valid. But Satan loves those excuses because he thinks that will just shut it down till the next stage of life when when you can come up with lots of other things. But as to the limited capacity, I think, you know, we have to remember hospitality does not require a four course meal in order to be genuine. Right. I tell my students that a hot a hot dog served with a smile beats a filet mignon served with an attitude every single time. So you wait till you can afford the prime cuts of meat or have a wide open week or you have a table that will seat eight people, you will never get around to welcoming others in your home. So there's no shame in hosting guests for dessert only. There's no shame in hosting a potluck or the guests all pitch in. There's no shame in using folding chairs around your small apartment as you show genuine gratitude. You do it without apology, by the way, for the home that the Lord has kindly provided for you in this season, a home that Millions of people around the world don't have. So yes, he knows if you're more interested in impressing than you are in serving, and thus you prefer to wait until you have a nicer setting. He knows if you're wasting money on worthless things that you could be budgeting to service. Mm -hmm. He knows if you seem to have little time to encourage a, a lost coworker over a cup of coffee or a discouraged fellow church member, but you seem to find the time for social media and sports. So, so you know, mm -hmm. we've got to stop making excuses even though I know people like you that are in a very busy season of life and, and, and you feel like you're just redoing the same tasks over and over again. <laughs> yes. You know, like it can get to be, that's a whole nother topic about stay at home moms that I just love to encourage stay at home moms that just keep on doing what you're doing. The Lord is doing work that you can't begin to see or understand from this perspective, but you will one day, but just carve out that time hospitality. It, you know, there's no grading sheet here. There's no, well, this month we didn't have seven people over for dinner. That, that's not it. Just be willing to carve out the time and the Lord will give you the opportunity. Do you have any practical tips for welcoming others into our home when we do have limited resources? Like you mentioned the finances. That's been a stressor for me. I'll be honest. Or maybe space is a stressor. Like I remember in college wanting to have people over, but we lived in like a six by six room. It was, it was bigger than that, but it felt like a box. So what practical tips do you have for those of our listeners that are in college right now, those who are in like a really transient season? Most of our listeners are like 20s to 30s demographic. Sure. Well, if you're in college, you know, that is a different season and it's a short one and it's another one where you can start saying, Lord, you know, I can't do it right now. I will start later. And it goes back to that same argument about the life stages. Mm -hmm. We just had an event on campus last night for women, and the whole topic for the whole night was hospitality. And one of the breakouts was about hospitality in, in, for college women. And so I knew that I was going to be talking to you today, and it's been a long time since I was in college. So I made sure to, to go to that session and to pick up some tips that I'm glad to pass on. And, and one of the things that the wise uh, resident assistants were saying was that you, you don't take those four years off and decide to do it later. You are living in dorm. It doesn't have a kitchen. So hospitality is going to look a little bit different now. But we go back to that definition that we're seeking to meet others' needs without any desire for affirmation, attention, payback. 
So in the dorm room, keep the door open. Keep the room a little bit more straightened up than you might have the tendency to do. <laughs> you got a neighbor on the hall who's known to just be friendly and available, not, not a hermit that goes to class, comes home, shuts the door, and she's studying all night. We don't know her. Initiate. Go into the dining hall together as friends. Just because you're not paying for the meal and it's not in a home doesn't mean that there's not fellowship. Take note of those who seem to be stressed with school. You're always going to find people that, that are in that situation. Find those that are homesick, whether they want to admit it or not, they just are. There are those who are having relationship problems. There are those who, who most importantly of all, might be struggling in her relationship with the Lord. So you want to have your antenna up, be an encourager, follow up with people. Be sure people know that you're someone who cares, not so self-absorbed that you only see your own problems. So we take seriously what the Bible says about how the sweetness of a friend comes from counsel and how friends rejoice with those who rejoice and Mm -hmm. we have fervent love for each other and we don't grow weary in doing good because, you know, in college, some of some of these girls are are working, they're going to school, they're, you know, members of a local church and they just feel like they've got lots going on. As to that local church, that's another place where it was suggested that you plug in there while you're away at college. That yeah. You don't hang out in the college department, but try to find the people like Hunter in your local church that are young moms. You can learn from them. In this. I would love that. Yes. You can learn from older women that are there. Get together with them as well and try to just make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, I love that so much. And I especially love the open door policy. And I've noticed that in our neighborhood that really is an indicator for, is this person available? Like, can I go up to their door? Can I approach them? And um, even opening up our garage and stuff like that and just standing outside um, kind of inadvertently like welcomes others to approach us. How about somebody that's in my situation, like with a three and a two-year-old and I'm pregnant? Do you have any practical tips for me? Because I could use all that I can get. I certainly do. And, you know, I have to commend my own daughter and son-in-law here. They have just always made it a practice in their young marriage to host couples for dinner. When they both worked on Capitol Hill, they did this. And now my daughter is home with our precious grandsons and her husband doesn't even often get home till seven. Wow. They just frequently have couples and families over. They only took a brief hiatus during the first six weeks or so after the babies came. But, But when you make this a habit, as they have, it just becomes normal. They have a no-fuss menu that works well, that can be pretty generic in nature. You want to make sure you've got meals that your husband especially enjoys having often, and and then you just make it work. Mm-hmm. And the guests are going to know that you have young children, so they may need to visit with your husband before or after dinner while you're caring for, feeding the baby, whatever. And then the toddlers and the children are going to learn these lessons early as they're going to get to know lots of different people. They're going to grow up with this being normal. Isn't that great? This is a normal thing. When friends come to dinner, this is a frequent occurrence. It is not something that gets mommy all freaked out such that no one can touch the freshly dusted furniture. If it's that abnormal of an occurrence, then then that's not going to work. But they'll get in the habit of even helping to set the table for company. Perhaps it's going to include some children that are coming whom they they can consider what they can do as little kids to make them feel welcome. It's going to help their conversation skills at a young age because people coming to dinner are going to ask them different questions than mom and dad are going to ask them. Uh, and sometimes as parents, you can learn fascinating things when you're in the presence of other people asking your kids a question and you're looking at them like, really? I would never would have known that you thought that about that. But their childhood is going to be filled with memories of lots of people in their homes, mm-hmm. lots of stories to tell about Jesus as, you, as you're welcoming Christian friends. And then they can even learn to pray for those around the table who do not know the Lord, because you make this a matter of your family dynamic to be, okay, 
we're having the Jones over on Thursday. Let's right. keep praying. The Lord will open the right doors and they're going to be on their, you know, they're not trying to impress anybody with their tip top behavior, but they're observing. Clearly they're observing how you're handling this and life lessons are learned as parents of young children are just intentional, simply inviting friends and neighbors for a simple meal. And the Lord may take those situations to display his love for you, for, for those who are lost, who have weird ideas about how Christians may act. They come into your home, they see that you're normal people with some of the same struggles. You're having to correct your kids around the table just like they would do. Yes. They have a contentment about you that's very intriguing, and they want to get to know that better. They want to they want to find out that contentment that you have, how that's how that's anchored and and what you really believe about Jesus, they're going to be willing to know more. So so we've just got to be encouraged that that we we model this even during those ages and stages of little ones in the home, that there is a way to make this work and it can really work in a glorious way. Absolutely. I watched my mother-in-law do this so well. And as someone who is married to her son, it's tremendous to see how a lifestyle of hospitality and a culture of hospitality in their family has impacted the way that he does hospitality as an adult, because he just, he knows what to do. He comes alongside me in all the things. And we've kind of got that go-to menu that you mentioned your daughter has where we're like, hey, Brooks, you're going to take care of the meat. You go smoke it on the smoker and then I'll take care of all the sides. And we just kind of tag team it together. And it's really a fun thing for us as a couple. And um, I hope that our kids are picking up on that, like you said. And I think they are because I've seen that emulated in my husband. And I'm so grateful to my mother-in-law for teaching him that inadvertently as she's welcoming him to practice hospitality alongside them and their family. So that's, that's just really, really encouraging. That's just blessing. And, you know, would that your mother-in-law had even thought that the Lord would use it in that way where she was teaching your, your husband as a little boy and then how those blessings just rippled out. And, you know, not to belabor this, but when both of you are focused on it and taking the mandate seriously, you make it look easy for everybody else. Now, if, if you're the one that's really key on this and your husband is one of these, like, I've talked to all the people I'm going to talk to today. I'm going into my man cave. Leave me alone. You must be crazy. That's a problem. And he's the one that was raised in a home like your husband was, and he wants to invite people over. And there are lots of husbands like this, but they've just stopped inviting that single guy home for dinner because they've had too many times where the wife just freaks out because everything's not perfect or whatever. So that's a problem. And then the biggest problem is if neither one of you has an affinity for this, then we got the biggest problem of all. We need to talk. We need to get a mentor. Uh, we need to do some some 911 help on that. Mm, yes. Well, I'm glad you're here to mentor us today from afar. And I do encourage people to just press into those relationships in the local church and to ask for help if you don't know uh, what this looks like. And, and maybe somebody will have you over and you'll just get to experience a taste of it. I think that's been the most potent teaching opportunity for me is experiencing it myself. Sure. Absolutely. Do you have any encouragement for somebody? Sometimes I think when I'm in the, you know, this context where we do have so many touches with so many people, and this isn't the case for all of our listeners, I know, but it can feel like practicing hospitality is a little bit of a burden more than a delight just because there's so many opportunities to do that. And maybe we're doing it to a really great extent. What encouragement do you have for somebody who feels like practicing hospitality has become more of a burden than it is a delight and a joy? You know, I think that's another thing that if people are honest, if women are honest, that's going to be a common one because there's a lot that, as we said, are just worn out. They've got lots of spinning plates. They're struggling to have meals prepared for their own families. So true. Time and finances and overcommitment. So the thought of opening their home to others. Overwhelming. It's honestly, it's overwhelming. It's a burden because 
they feel overwhelmed and sometimes they feel like they're doing a hundred things with mediocrity instead of a few things well. So oh, we yes. get hold of that mentality because this is another thing Satan jumps on and roots of bitterness can start to spring up and you know comparison and all kinds of stuff. So we, we go back to scripture and we say with Paul, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, echo what Peter says, First Peter 4, 9, practice hospitality. And then he has those two very interesting words at the end of that imperative, without grumbling. You know what? That's not there by accident. And that, that was written there in the original language, and it is still there for us to read today, and it still speaks volumes to us today. This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. No excuse, excuses are listed here. We're supposed to be those people who spill out with gratitude when you bump into us. So so don't make the mistake of thinking that you're on some proverbial treadmill for the next 15 years. And when you get off of this, then you'll practice hospitality. You don't have to love it. I'll get to that. But but prayerfully seek opportunities to make it a delight in this season. Think about how the Lord may choose to use your willingness to be obedient to his command to call believers to himself who will be forever changed. If necessary, seek help from a mentor, somebody who doesn't see this as a duty sees it as a delight that can help you learn how to rein in your priorities and can help you thrive without regrets. Let me also point out that you don't have to love practicing hospitality. Not not everybody has to just wake up in the morning delighted about, you know, the fact that you get to to do this. You may have friends that get all excited about trying new recipes and they're perfecting a wide list of menus for for company and you'd prefer to just pick up a roasted chicken from the deli, grab some bag salad out of the produce department and some cookies from the bakery on your way out and call it a day. And you know what? That's fine. Your meal will be fine. No grinding of flour or churning of butter. <laughs> and I totally. think there's some women who have it like, if I can't do it all the way, I won't do it at all. And again, Satan wins. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's just, we got to get the mentality back. Yeah, I completely agree. I think freeing ourselves up from those unrealistic expectations, particularly giving the context of our season, is so healthy. And when we do that and we get back to the root of hospitality, which is the whole point of having this conversation, to really share what Christ has done in our lives and and to, like you said, the gratitude that we're experiencing in the gospel to overflow into the lives of other people for for the glory of the Lord. Like it, it is so motivating if we think about it from that context versus like, oh man, hum and a hum, I got to do this again, you know? Right. So what is the joy, Mary, in opening up our homes and welcoming others in as Christ has welcomed us? Well, this is a very important thing for us to hone in on and to, to focus on. The joy is found in the fact that we are indeed, you know, I'm speaking to those who are able to, to do this, we're indeed physically, spiritually, mentally, materially we're able to open our homes. Not everyone is able to say that, but you and I and, and many of your listeners are able to say that, that we're those, we can open our homes to those the Lord has sent our way, that we may be ones that he may choose to use, you know, through us if we're just obedient. Imagine the joy we will experience when when we get to heaven and all of this becomes clear, when all of the blinders are off and all the excuses are put away and we, we look back with regret at, at, you know, how we, we had to somewhat be talked into this. But what if the Lord will choose to raise up children who can trace their earliest spiritual memories to those times when they had a meal in your home. Mm. Genuinely cared about them and their parents, and you told them about Jesus. And they acted on what you said, and the Lord called them out and saved them. And they're now serving as pastors or missionaries or godly 
parents raising up their own kids. Now there's joy. Mm-hmm. It traces back to what seemed to be a really simple act of picking up a roasted chicken out of the deli, putting it on the table with a <laughs> salad and some cookies, welcoming guests in Jesus' name. And the Lord took that in and he took it and ran with it as only he can do. And now when those people share their testimony, it's going back to, well, there were these people who had us over for dinner back on the army base, you know, and, and it wasn't anything. I don't remember what we ate. They forgot about the roasted chicken. Totally. And they came in and, and every time they were consistent and it was just different there. And that's when I first heard about Jesus and it changed my life. And now the, there's the ripple effect. So to me, that's just a huge blessing to think about as we just we just seek to be open and willing to be used by the Lord in whatever way he sees fit, using the unique gifts and talents and circumstances that he's given all of us. And then we trust him to take it from there. And he will to his glory. What a tool for evangelism, like your very house, your very dorm room, your very space that the Lord has graciously given to you to live in. You can open up and you can actually just, I don't know, like cultivate a safe space where you can have conversations about the gospel and just to enjoy and delight in what the Lord has done for us through Jesus. I'm excited. I got to go open up my door. What resources (laughs) would you recommend for somebody who wants to practice gratitude, to cultivate a heart of gratitude and to grow in practicing hospitality? Well, I hope it doesn't sound too weird to to recommend my own book, but I'm that's I mean, why you wrote it, right? Well, growing in gratitude, the Lord taught me yes. much more about gratitude than the readers will ever learn. Oh, but, I bet. but it's a short read, and, and and I would hope that your readers would want to pick that up and and kind of follow through on on this topic. There's not a ton out there that's specifically about gratitude from a Christian perspective. I found lots of worldly books that are just right. so pathetic about like who are they thankful to. You know, it's like, thank you, world, because it's a beautiful day. Thank you, Mother Nature. Um, so, <laughs> so we've got the God of the universe yes. to our gratitude to. And it, so I won't try to, to teach the book in, in two sentences, but there's that. The textbook I use for my course for student wives on hospitality is Karen Emmons, A Life That Says Welcome. Cool. Because it's just very practical. You know, it's just the kind of stuff we've been talking about where there's no um, no, no impressing, but serving and, and getting down and just doing that. There's lots of talk out there about Rosaria Butterfield's new book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yes. We talked about that a lot last night at our event on campus. And anyone who knows Rosaria's testimony, it's just, and if you don't, you've got to go read it. Well, and hers happened over a table, right? Like a pastor and his wife were welcoming her in to share a meal, just like what you described. Yes. And so now here she is, a homeschooling pastor's wife, and uh, she has an amazing story to tell. And she is truly practicing this multiple evenings a week in a way that that many can't in the particular settings where the, where the Lord has placed them. But um, the book is not just about that. She's a very gifted writer. She's a very intelligent woman that, that can take um, issues and just put them very plainly. So I recommend that one to you for sure. Oh, I'm excited to pick that up. I haven't had an opportunity to read it yet, but I really have a ton of respect for her. So I will be sure to do that. We will be sure to link all of these things in the show notes. And of course, I'll be showing uh, Growing in Gratitude, Mary's book on Instagram and social media this week. So be sure to tune in for an inside peek of the book. Okay, so Mary, you are clearly well versed in practicing gratitude. I mean, you've written a whole book on it. And I know you feel like you're still growing. But I just can't help but think that this next question is so appropriate, given your practice of seeking to cultivate a heart of gratitude. So what are your three simple joys? You know, this may be one of the most challenging questions you gave, Hunter, because 
to boil this down into a few phrases, and I've seen what your previous guests have done. So you want this short and to the point. So I had to put the first one on here because if you know me, you know I'm going to be talking about my precious grandsons. My husband and I, I used to say we border on obnoxious. I think we've kind of crossed the border. We just are obnoxious uh, about them. They're just so precious, and they're at the stage where everything's new and, and wonderful. And so I would have to say but one of my simple joys at the top of the list is playing with my precious grandsons, even as I'm so grateful to the Lord, as is my husband, for their precious parents, my daughter and son-in-law, who are clearly and carefully and lovingly raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that's a great, simple joy. Oh, well, you're making me want to get time with your daughter. I'm like, she sounds awesome. She is. She is tremendous and very gifted in her own right, for sure. People who know me will laugh at this, but I enjoy planning in my paper planner using my erasable colored pens. So that's so great. Given our lifestyle, there's just a lot going on in institutional setting. And I'm one that just, I've got all kinds of electronic, you know, Apple products and stuff, but I love my paper planner. I love being able to see the big picture. It's a real stress reliever for me to be able to just get a monthly calendar and then to have erasable colored pens that I can color code scratch out is just fun. I need those for inductive Bible study. You'll have to send me the link. Right. There's even highlighters that erase. Just keep them away from the heat. Do you have a favorite planner, like a favorite paper planner that you like to use? I am not totally brand loyal, but I'm size loyal. So it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. So there's a tiny one that fits in the purse of the diaper bag. There's a giant one that looks like a notebook. Right. And mine is the middle one that's the desk size one. So once you've got that size, you can use Daytimer, Franklin Covey, all different kinds of, of pages that go in it. And I'm very, um, very particular about not wanting the spiral bound. Sorry, but I like the ones that I don't have to start over every year. So so there are certain pages that have been in there for decades that I can just adapt and oh, how cool! turn out the calendar pages. So yeah, I can do a whole spiel on that. I won't, won't go <laughs> on. My third one and anyone who knows me too, like everyone's talking about, well, let's go get some coffee together. And I've just much to my husband's chagrin, I have never grown into the taste of coffee. I think it smells great. But my my bliss is drinking Fountain Diet Coke. And it's got to be from a fountain, preferably Ooh, a McDonald's fountain. You're talking about my pregnancy craving right now. <laughs> it's just winter, summer, whatever. It's just the best. Ooh, do you like it from Sonic? That's like one of my simple joys is getting it from Sonic. Sonic has that great ice. I prefer the non-styrofoam cup because I think it goes flat faster in the styrofoam. But no one agrees with me. But yes, I do give this careful thought. You are my girl. I love how you've thought about this. That is so excellent. Now everybody wants to go get a Diet Coke. Well, Mary, you have had such a tremendous impact on so many women listening. And I have loved reading your book and you've impacted me from afar. Another question that I love to hear from every guest who comes on the Journey Women podcast is who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? You know, I have to say my husband is my best friend, but he's also the theologian whom I trust the most. Yeah. From, from him, I've learned the most biblical truth, both in word and deed. So he's a brilliant wow. man. But um, I mean, I just, our daughter, God love her. She came uh, with our son-in-law and our son, and we had this big celebration just two weeks ago. And and Katie got up in front of everyone and gave this wonderful tribute to us. And she she said that her favorite commentator is her dad. And when there's a passage that she doesn't really understand, she does she, Googles, she puts the passage in, and then she puts molar and Google's it, and she just prays that dad has written something on it because <laughs> that's I do that too. And and he's written on so many different um, texts of scripture and so many different topics and. And, and he's just so wise and trustworthy. So he's had the greatest impact on my own journey with Jesus. And I'm very, very pleased and honored to be his wife. 
Oh, praise the Lord. I love having a resident theologian. My grandfather just passed. It's actually been almost two years and he was a Southern Baptist pastor. And so every time I was writing an article or every time I was had a question about theology, I would give him a call and I miss that so much. And I I love how much you guys treasure that. And I love that you have it encapsulated in the form of podcasts and articles that Mr. Moeller has written. What an absolute treasured gift. I've gone back and watched many a sermon that my grandfather has preached. So we'll be sure to link to Mr. Moeller's podcast as well in the show notes. Briefing, yes. It's excellent. A lot of our listeners' favorite. So Mary, it's just been a joy. I can't believe we've exhausted our time. I'm so thankful Uh, that you would be willing to come and share your experience with growing in gratitude and practicing hospitality for the glory of God. Thanks for coming on the Journey Women podcast. Hunter, it's been my pleasure. And I want you to know that there are many women on this campus who are faithful listeners to your podcast. And I just applaud you for the time and effort. You are gladly investing in this as you are a full-time wife and mother um, to to get just quality programming out there that is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I commend you. Keep up the good work, and thank you for having me on. Listening back through this conversation, I found myself wishing that we could just hear from Mary every week. Let's get her back, y'all. If you want to continue the conversation on gratitude and hospitality, join us over on social media this week at Journey Women Podcast. Hey, if you're grateful for these conversations, one way that you can really bless us at the Journey Women Podcast is by hopping over to iTunes or to Facebook just to leave us a review. It'll take you three minutes. Doing so helps get Journey Women into the hands of other women who might find it encouraging in their own pursuit of loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Y'all, speaking of gratitude, Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team edited this week's episode, and I am so personally grateful. Hey, thank you guys for listening. It's an absolute joy to get to journey alongside you all. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. <laughs>